You are listening to Vital 100, the podcast designed to take your health to the next level. Hello, this is Dr. Bob Johnson with Vital 100 Podcast, and today we have a very, very interesting interview. Doctor who I've known for a long time and just absolutely respect his work, Dr. Kuno Bachbauer, and I got him on this interview because he has some very, very valuable information information about emotional health and how it affects our overall health. So it'll be a very interesting topic today. Hello, Dr. Bachbauer. Hi, Bob. How are you doing? Good, good. So um, I think, first of all, it would be important to share a little bit about your background so people know where you're coming from and how you become a specialist in uh, counseling and emotional health, that kind of thing. So originally, I started out as a uh, doctor of medicine. I graduated from the University of Vienna, Austria, uh, and I never really was completely convinced by the medical model, even while I was in med school, and I bumped into a few things that didn't really fit for me. But I also bumped into the first uh, experiences of the connection between the mind and the body, because partly because of my own uh, my own stuff that came up in in the in the process of studying medicine, um, I, I had sleepless nights. I was under a lot of performance pressure. My my emotions were dysregulated. So I had to do something in order to sustain my my life there. And uh, I found something called autogenic training. That was part of the student services uh, at the time, and it was a relatively new thing at the time. And what autogenic training was, is a self-relaxation technique that worked with visualization and a certain kind of shift of the internal nervous system, the autonomic nervous system that was able to influence my, my heart rate, my, uh, my, my level of relaxation in my muscles my state of being, and I got very, very interested, so I followed the person that was teaching that uh, into other modalities that they, they were offering, there were conferences for this kind of stuff, and I was like uh, going out of my way to get there. And after a while, even the autogenics training and what I've learned there uh, wasn't quite enough. It was just too limiting. It wasn't really going deep enough on, on a certain way. So I got into uh, the work of Wilhelm Reich, which is a body, was the father of all body-centered psychotherapy work. Uh, he developed his work as a, as a close student of uh, Sigmund Freud in, in Vienna. And uh, he found out that when he allowed the persons uh, on the couch to make certain movements or deep, de- uh, make them breathe deeper or make them exhale when they were going through some emotional part, that the person would go much deeper. So then he, the people started kicking on the, on the couch and breathing and screaming and crying and stuff like that. So, so he, he found out that there was a connection between the bodily holding patterns, the muscular holding patterns, and the emotion and the memories that this person was going through at the same time. 
So, and out of that, he made a whole body of work and a whole school of teaching that that is still existing under different names, not so much under Reichian work, even though that also exists. So, when you hear about ergonomy, uh, neo-Reichian therapy, bioenergetics, uh, Hakomi to some degree, uh, and then my tradition where I'm from, that's called core energetics. They're they are all direct uh, descendants of that lineage of a body-centered therapist to work with the emotions and how the emotions are held in the muscular, uh, we call it armory, in the mus in muscle system, and how uh, this also related to certain thought forms. And what Wilhelm Reich already developed, and that was 1940, that was very long time ago by now. Uh, what he also discovered was that we're holding belief systems in our mind body that can be changed. So you can change from there's never going to be enough from, from me here because you had an uh, abandonment ex experience to uh, the world has plenty and I can get it. I can get what I need, right? Mm -hmm. So that one belief can be changed to the other one but it cannot be changed just by changing your mind. There is a physical uh, correlation with it. So you have to release the holding patterns that is in your body armoring through breathing, moving, dancing, expressing, uh, what, whatever it is, opening your voice, through singing, screaming, saying your truth, right? When you're doing all these things, uh, it helps you to get porous enough to feel the wounding that has caused that kind of belief system. And so, then so, you can uh, change it. So Kuno, just very briefly, you're, you're getting into this is, so people can understand how does the emotional health affect overall health? So the emotional health, uh, I have to say it in a different way. For me, the mind, the body, the emotions, your spirituality, and even your embeddedness in your environment are one. So you can't separate it out. So if you, if you have emotions that are in conflict, you automatically, because of that hologram that we are, you're automatically also going to have an effect on your organs. So your organs are going to be somewhat uh, tense or the, the function in a different way than in a healthy person. Your, so your state of mind is going to be changed depending on your belief system. So you, what you're going to tell your every, yourself every day about life going to release certain uh, neurochemicals in your body. So for instance, when you're happy and when you're sad, you're going to release completely different neurochemicals in your body these neurochemicals, they float all over your, every cell in your body and cause certain releases of uh, 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 RNA, like transcript RNA, that then uh, creates a certain kind of function in the body. So, so, it's the, so there's a genetic, epigenetic and genetic effect on what's going on in the rest of your body so by seemed, being it, it in one emotion. One another. Okay, it seems like the uh, this connection between the emotions and health, it, as you're saying, is more a biochemical 
um, connection huh? as opposed to a, uh, a hard wiring connection. Yeah, just uh, think of it like this. There's maybe five different uh, wires that go on at the same time. So one, the most primitive one is maybe there's a communication system that goes for between bone and bone and bone, right? So there's a very slow moving communication system. The next one would be your uh, central nervous system and peripheral nervous system that innerves all the, the sensory organs and the, the muscular movement, right? Then you have the autonomic system, which is a different kind of communication system that goes on at the same time that influences all your inner organs and the tone of your, the, the muscles of your uh, uh, bronchi and the tone of the muscles of your arteries, those kind of things, and the, what kind of hormones are going to be re re secreted in the different areas. Then you have a hormone system that gets released that influences every organ by through the bloodstream. So you every change of emotion releases a host of, think of a bouquet of certain hormones or hormone patterns maybe, that then reach the liver and reach the gallbladder and reach the intestines and reach the heart and they're gonna have a certain effect on that particular organ. So the hormonal changes influence every organ. Then you have neurochemicals. So the neurochemicals trigger certain kind of states of mind and there are a communication system and, and uh, connecting, uh, well, uh, a telegraphing system to the whole body also because every cell in the body has receptors for opioids and for uh, uh, serotonin and and all the different neurochemicals that we know about, right? So each cell is gonna be influenced by your change of mind, right? Then you have an energetic system that's overarching everything. So, so some people know about chakra system, for instance, that's the easiest way of understanding it. You have energy centers that are, uh, mainly people think about seven, some people talk about nine that are related to certain organ systems that are kind of segmentally stacked on in the body. So it starts with the, with the uh, bottom of your pelvis where you have the survival chakra and then the sex chakra, then the power chakra, then the, the heart chakra, then the throat chakra, the forehead for, for sight, main sight, and then the, the crown chakra to connect you with the bigger field of energy, right? So energy is information, so that energy system is also affecting your body. And then you have an aura that's also holding information about you. And my aura, for instance, even now on, on the, you know, like through the internet, my aura connects with your aura in some form and we exchanging information, even though we may not be able to decode it but it's affect, we're affecting each other even right now. And I'm affecting uh, somebody who's watching this, this uh, transmission, even later when they, when they watch this in, in a year. Uh, You'll be affected by me through the electromagnetic waves and the timelessness of it in a way. 
Right, right. So it sounds as if when somebody has health issues, a big consideration in resolving them will be to deal with the emotional concerns that someone yes. has. Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, so, so because the emotions are on a switching state for the whole body, in a switching place, they, they are right between what the main centers, let's say it like this, not uh, your emotions are you, they are not in one place, they are all over you, but like, the, like geographically or anatomically speaking in your body, it would be the limbic system that's the most uh, affected by it, or the most dominant aspect of it, the most central aspect, and the, the brainstem uh, uh, also, right, your survival system. So they would work together, your limbic system and your survival system. And they having an effect on everything, but they are also like a, like a CEO for certain things, right? So they're giving orders to the whole body how to respond. For instance, mm -hmm. if, you, if you would be a lion, my response would probably be running away from you because I'm, I'm scared. And I would feel like you would be stronger than I am, right? So, so my whole body gets an information to run away. And, and every fiber of my body is collaborating on running away, right? Now, right. if you would be the, my best friend, I would, uh, I would walk towards you with joy and you would see it and lighting up in my eyes and I'd be so happy to see you. And that also would be my whole body would respond to you because you're my friend wanting to be close to you. And, and I would release certain bonding hormones like oxytocin to, to, to affect that, uh, that coming together, right? Mm. So our, we are voting, basically, our whole body is voting to, what, to go towards somebody and go away from somebody, right? To run away or to attack, to run away or to love, right? Uh, we are constantly, all our 70 trillion cells that are collaborating at the same time, mm -hmm. uh, either going towards something, we're voting. Uh, every step you take in life is a vote towards something and wave something. Mm. The problem is, the sum total of all your steps towards something and away something can make you sick or can make you happy right. healthy. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing a lifetime of contraction and and shutting down and narrowing yourself, your organ system are gonna shut down and narrow to some degree, not, not to the degree of that you're dead, because you would be dead then, but like you would be more and more limited, your immune system would be more and more limited, your heart rate uh, variability would be changing because you're not as flexible towards new stimuli when you have a really healthy organism, right? So, mm -hmm. so the cumulative effect of all my choices of going towards something and going away from something makes me right now, makes me who I am right now. But, and I can change that with every thought I make. With every thought I have, I can change my mind and I can, uh, I can make a new choice. So I can choose and the, the place where we choose is our forebrain, it's the place, uh, the prefrontal cortex, medium prefrontal cortex, um, and 
that's where we're making our higher choices. So for instance, I'm gonna eat better food. It's uh, would be a prefrontal cortex. If I follow my survival thing, I want to eat more fatty stuff or more uh, junk food or something because it makes me feel better about survival. So to having a higher choice, I can make that this moment. And if I do it long enough, my body is going to change. Also, if I hang out with different type of people that stimulate me and make me feel wanting to to be excited about life is going to over time, if I hang out with a person like that or a group of people like that, I'm going to become a healthier and healthier person just by hanging out with the right crowd. So, so, uh, well. so, so our thoughts have a profound effect on our overall health. And, and that's, I guess, why they keep saying you want to think positive thoughts mm. and not all the negative uh, thoughts. Uh, that is tricky. That, that would take another lecture or another conversation, like change thoughts to beliefs. Okay. So beliefs are clusters of thoughts that become, that become declarations in our brain. So they're like a shortcut, so to speak. And it comes from uh, uh, trauma or consciousness. So you can have beliefs that come from consciousness when you're choosing a higher option in life. Or it comes from trauma, where they usually get locked in. And that is an unconscious belief about a situation. For instance, if you've been starving as a child, you may have a belief that you never, ever, ever, ever gonna get uh, food or never, ever have enough. Then you end up living from that place of it's never, ever, ever gonna be enough. Then everything you do in life is trying to get stuff, even if you have have a million dollars, you're gonna need two million dollars because you you feel like it's never ever ever gonna be enough. Versus the other other people, for them having uh, an easy a simple job and a simple house, it may be total enough and they may feel completely satisfied and satiated. A person that has this trauma, their belief rules their life and they're gonna have to run out and get more and get more and get more and have the better job and have the better car and have the better house. Just that that part of them that has this belief, which is emotions and thoughts together as a package that is unconscious, that that belief is satisfied until right. you change it. And mm -hmm. therapy is a process of changing that. So a therapist is actually, at least to some degree, a changer of beliefs. My, my teacher, John Veracos, the of chronogenics, he, he thought, said that a lot of times, like your change of beliefs, you're gonna, if you change a belief, that new belief has to get locked in, and now with neuroplasticity and the understanding of how the brain works a little bit better, uh, now we can be more masterful in changing those beliefs into something positive, but it's not like a positive thinking. Right. It's a positive choice. Right, making a choice for a new belief. So, Kuno, let's let's um, dovetail this into your work and how you deal with people who've had uh, past life traumas, um, who've had childhood traumas, those kind of things. Talk a little bit about what you do in working with people to help them through that and thus get healthier. Mm -hmm. Well, I I'm not 
totally I'm, I'm working with different modalities one modality is from uh, is family constellations work which is like uh, tapping into the unconscious uh, transmissions that we have from our past because a past life not from a past life I'm not that good at that part but I can help people just to sort out and pick up the stuff that they inherit from their ancestors from their parents grandparents and grand grandparents and try to reframe that whatever the burden that you get in here in this life that you carry on for instance, uh, in Germany, there's a lot of second generation children from Nazis that are getting sick and, and having cancer and stuff like that. And they, their illness is a form of taking on the responsibility for their forefathers, for their grandfather, not even for their father. That's the next generation picks that up and they go into the ground somehow out of guilt and, and out of taking on the responsibility that their grandfather hasn't taken on in consciousness. So, so you're working on what have I inherited basically from my, my, from my ancestors. And then my main work is to working on what have you inherited from your parents? And what conflicts have you been born into that you couldn't resolve as a child? that you're now taking on one as one of those belief systems. And when you have a lot of these kind of a host of these belief systems, it becomes a character structure. So it's a, a character structure is basically a defense system against an early trauma that then gets unconscious, becomes unconscious and you take it on. And this is who you are then. You, you, this is how you respond to the world, depending on that experience with your parents and that's where the ACES study comes in. This is basically a, a study by done by the, um, by the Kaiser Foundation, Kaiser Permanente and um, the CDC, a joint study where they studied 17,737 people and followed them over a lifespan and they had to fill out a certain test that was actually quite simple. It was 10 questions about violations that happened in childhood. And when you had more answered or crossed out more than yes or no, there's a yes question or no question, there was no qualification to it. When you had four out of 10 answers there as positive, you could predict uh, a very high likelihood for a future illness, chronic illness. If you had six, it was a guarantee. So, so if you had six traumas out of a ten of possible ones, you basically were guaranteed to have a heart problem or, or cancer or, or some kind of chronic arthritis, that kind of thing, or mental illnesses, right? So the question would be, did you have physical abuse? Yes, no. Sexual abuse? Yes, no. Emotional abuse? Yes, no physical neglect, emotional neglect, the mother treated you violently, uh, the household substance abuse of one of the, somebody in the household, household mental illness, one person mentally ill in the household, parental separation or divorce, 
that's a lot now. Almost everybody had parents that divorced in some form, incarcerated household member, which is also in certain income groups and racial groups, that's a, it's a main state. It's all, so you have like divorce and this issue and uh, neglect and this and that. If you have four out of, out of 10, you already had a very high likelihood for illness. If you had six, it was basically, okay, I'm looking for an addiction, I'm looking for cancer, I'm looking for a heart disease, right? If you're like a physician. Right. So if, if I was a patient and I came to you and I had six of those and I, it looked like I was going to get a chronic illness, mm. what work do you do to minimize or mitigate that potential of having that illness? First of all, awareness, even to be able to have somebody to talk about this issue, that this is maybe uh, you're not feeling good because you had this story that like even bringing awareness into the situation and into the story would be one thing. The other one that, that I think would be easy is to really help the person to see that even if you're not ill right now, it would be really, really good for you to have somebody to talk about these things because you, you may need to discharge the burden that you have from that time. So, so therapy in this case would be a preventive method, not a curative method like after the fact, but you, you, you help the person to even go deeper into the disease process than is necessary. So, so that it would be good to do this with kids already or with young adults. So you definitely would, should do it in jail with people. I mean, you couldn't have a better place to help somebody than Okay, so in jail, I'm sure your parents have a problem. You were neglected. You have you have drug abuse in childhood and this and that. Let's work on all the feelings you have so that you can have a better life when you come out, right? So right. that would be a wonderful place to enter, mm-hmm. right? Preventively for 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 so many reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, then the real work that I do then with clients is that connection between the emotional conflict and the physical expression of it. So I, I have people uh, sometimes, like, uh, first of all, I have people stretch, stretching alone. If your, shoulder, your shoulders are pulled up like this, and if I have somebody consciously relax it, the anxiety may come up. So, so up here, they may feel very comfortable in their life, if I say, so hang out with me and just relax the, the, your shoulders and, and just keep breathing consciously and relax it all the way down. And mine are not that much down anyway. You, yours are much better than mine when I look at it, right? So I'm a little anxious, right, as a person. So, so when you relax those muscles, your feelings may come up because holding them is the way of not having the feeling. So really what mm-hmm. I'm helping people is to have Feelings that they are normally unfeelable, like terror or, or loneliness or some, some stuff. So I'm doing breathing, relaxes people, then they get into the thing. So certain breathing techniques, stretching right. techniques, like similar to yoga. And there's mm-hmm. yoga classes you can go to and people actually start crying. It's not every yoga class, but like there's a way of doing yoga where that happens, right? Right. Um, then I have people express their negative feelings. So I have uh, 
in individual sessions or group sessions where I have people like hit pillows. So I have a big foam cube uh, right next to behind me. That's my foam cube. And, and I have them hit this. I have a sword where you can hit it or these orange pads that I can have people express their rage because if you bottle up your rage, it's not only a physical problem, it's an emotional problem and, an, and, a, and a health problem because your liver is going to be affected uh, and contracted in some form, right? So, mm -hmm. so, so, that, so that's one way. Other things are some people need support. So there's exercises where you can support somebody properly and, and appropriately. So right. non-sexual touch that helps a person to feel supported, right? So that would be a, another avenue that I can go, right? So Kuno, the, um, uh, I deal a lot with people with chronic health issues, but kind of on average, if someone has a chronic health issue like a cancer or a diabetes or a neurodegenerative disease, what percentage of people, it might be all, but what percentage of people have an emotional component and should seek your help in getting rid of that as the treatment for the chronic illness? I think every, since, think of what I told you in the early beginning of this conversation about that we are hologram. So the answer would be everybody needs that. It's just whether the question is whether it's worth it for you or not to, to make that investment or whether you can afford it. I mean, this is a expensive, uh, uh, it's a expensive treatment in a way when you come every week or every two weeks and pay a lot of money for individual session or group session. But it is worth it because it would, uh, it, it, it is worth it because it has this long-term effect when you collaboratively with the medical aspect or the exercise and the nutrition and meditation and spiritual work, when you put this all together, uh, you may be so much healthier and your life expectancy may be so much better that putting that money on right now would be a actually good investment, right? Right, so, right. So, of course, if you don't have the money and the resources or you're not living in an area where that's available, you know, there's ways now with the internet and there's all kinds of things you can do. Uh, certainly not what I do is certainly not the only opportunity. There's a lot of other types of work out there that uh, work in a similar direction. Basically, what I'm doing is psych a form of psychosomatics. So the medical, there's kind of on the border between medicine and psychology, there's this school of psychosomatics, which I was influenced by early on in my, my career and, and hasn't left me yet, right? So the working on that dance between the psyche and the body, um, I think everybody has to go their journey. Right, right. Well, it, this is a huge topic, and I know you've really devoted so much of your life to it and studied with it. And I, I know your results are beyond belief. Um, and, and I know how important the emotional work is in getting people healthy. So um, we should definitely have another talk, another interview. I think you can talk a little bit in detail. That. But okay. what is the website that people can go to see 
you and your work and uh, contact you? My, my name is Kuno Bachbauer. And the easiest way to find me is actually looking for Kuno Bachbauer. And the website is www.coreconstellations.com. So core, C-O-R-E, and then constellations with an S at the end, like the star constellations.com. Because we're combining core energetics with family constellations work and encounter-centered couples work and different other modalities. Very good. And knowing how much uh, emotional trauma there is and anxiety and stress there is in the world, um, everyone should at least explore either working with you or somehow resolving these issues because yeah. life can get very stressful. Yeah, life is very stressful. It seems to be getting more stressful with more opportunities with, um, and influences we have with the internet and the uh, all these choices the, that you have that 50 years ago we didn't have, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's ratcheted up a little bit. And what we need to learn is to be able to tolerate that much energy because it's all energy. So in a way, some of the work that I described right now is really uh, learning ways through different techniques. For instance, meditation is one of them to tolerate more and more energy. Because a person that has a good container for a lot of energy is the healthier person. Right. So, so they expand, you learn how to, so it's a form of working with consciousness also, where you're learning how to expand into bigger and bigger levels of energy, which translates also into deeper, bigger levels of awareness, of consciousness. Right, right. So the more, well, the more aware you are, the more energy you have, in the way the smarter you are, the more connected you are, the more open you are. So it only has positive uh, aspects for you. Well, I hope people contact you because your work is magnificent and the results uh, really speak for themselves. So thank I want to thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll be talking soon. Good. Thank you. Take care, Kuno. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Vital 100. Check out our website at vital100wellness.com for more episodes, blogs, supplements, and more. If you have questions for Dr. Bob, or if you have feedback or recommendations for the podcast, please send an email to info at vital100wellness.com. <laughs>